This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome to the show founder of Passport Heavy, Mr. Jabril Agoro. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. Yeah. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Okay. We got you. Now, first of all, this view, uh, you're like in the clouds. Where are you, sir? This looks amazing. There's like, is that water? Is it mountains? What is that behind you? No, that is um, one of the most beautiful cities in the world, one of the most cultured cities in the world. And the city where I grew up, Chicago, Illinois. So I'm in Chicago okay. right now. Oh, You're in Chicago. Okay. Well, you. All right, Chicago, Chi-Town. So he's living large, though, because that, that looks like one of them high-rise. Yeah, that nice. That's not the Chicago that the, that the, the people talk about all the time. So tell, tell us about your most cultured city, because I, I got to learn it. I, I, um, I have Apple TV, and they have on there this um, show called Home. And I got to learn about Theaster, um, I think his name is Theaster Graves, who uh, built this whole, like he reformed this whole entire neighborhood and put a library in. I mean, it's just beautiful, beautiful what this man has done. Tell me about the Chicago you grew up in. Um, I grew up in a few different uh, places in Chicago. And one of the things that has bothered me for a while is when, so I've been traveling around the world for the last 10 years, right? And people are always like, oh, Shaw City, bang, bang, Shaw City, Shaw Rack. And I'm like, no, there's so much positivity happening in my city. There's so many amazing things. It's one of the cleanest, most organized cities. And it's actually the reason why I'm back. I will tell you the Chicago I grew up, but the reason I'm back here right now is just to show off the side of Chicago that they don't show you in the media, right? And the amazing black entrepreneurs that we have in this city. But for me growing up here, um, I, I was born in England. I don't know if you can hear from my accent, but um, I was actually born, I was born in London, England. Um, well, you just did it because you weren't, you were, you were, you were, you had another accent before. So now you just pulled yeah. out your, your <laughs> London accent. So don't act like we, we couldn't hear it before. You were hiding it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so first nine years of my life, um, I grew up in London and then for the rest um, for nine, you know, for the rest of my life, I grew up in Chicago. And so on the north side, like Rogers Park, um, and there it was like, you know, so many different cultures, so many, um, you know, I grew up with, you know, the, the Latino, a lot of Mexicans, there were, um, you know, a lot of blacks, and then you'd even get, you know, a few white people. And then I moved to the suburbs where there was um, a whole lot of, um, you know, white people. And then I was actually the minority then. Um, you know, as a, as a black person within uh, the suburbs and Hoffman Estates to be specific. Okay. And it's Theaster Gates. I, I just want to correct myself on that. And I, and I know Chicago is one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to, especially in the summertime. I'm not trying to mess with y'all in the winter. Y'all can keep all of that below, thousand below degree temperature y'all can have at. But in the summertime, Chicago, Philly, um, I don't really like New York in the summertime because it's smelly, uh, but Chicago and Philly are some of the most beautiful cities to hang out in, 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 in the summertime. So I know what you're saying is true and people should um, travel more and should get out more and not let the media, but this mm-hmm. is why it's so important. Uh, what you're doing is so important because you are the lens through which we get to experience culture and people and, and mm-hmm. traditions. And, and we saw with Anthony Bourdain rest his soul. Like he was able to take us on a journey 
through food uh, and, and introduces to music and, and culture and language and all kinds of things. You're doing the same thing on YouTube with Passport Heavy, mm-hmm. right? Correct. So, so tell me how you started. So it started with a, a photo album on Facebook over 10 years ago. I called it Passport Heavy, um, yeah, well over 10 years ago. Because I was like, man, I'm traveling, my passport's getting heavy. And so right now, obviously, we have COVID and more people are um, working remote now by force. And then the world didn't think it was happening. Corporations were like, oh, my God, everything, people are going to be joking around and not getting work done. But they realized a lot of people actually become more efficient. So me, I've been working remotely for almost 20 years now. And so when it was 2010, um, so I had a, in the beginning, I was doing well, then I lost everything. And then when I was like, what's stopping me from, you know, going to a place? So I was in Hawaii. I was there for three weeks. And I had friends there who were like doing a one-year trip around the world, uh, the Unstoppable family. And I was like, going back to Chicago, right, in the winter. This was January. And I was like, I was taking a run down the beach. And it just hit me three hours before my flight. And I was like, I'm not really going back to this cold-ass weather. Like, I'm not about to do it. So I didn't get on the plane. I ended up staying in Hawaii for like three months. And then I was like, let me do a one-year trip around the world. And that's what the ability of working online remotely does. And there were all these things. My mom's like, oh, my God, this is going to happen to you, boy. Like, this is going to happen. You know, all the things that moms do. And I was like, nah, I'm going to be fine. And then one year turned into 10 years of just seeing, and I just love learning about all these different cultures um, around the world, beautiful people, beautiful women, beautiful views, beautiful everything. And I just become, I was like, yo, this is a good way to live. And I, I don't travel like a traveler or like a, I would say like a tourist per se, but I do have tourist trips that I take. But most of the time when I was traveling like a tourist before, it'd be like, okay, I'm here for a week or two weeks. And I'd be in a rush to do everything. But now what I do is I'll spend like two months or three months, or six months, and get an Airbnb. So that's what I've been doing for like 10 years. And then so that way, I can really experience the culture. It becomes a lifestyle versus a rush. And I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe on the weekend, I'm going to go, you know, explore, you know, a little tourist site. But I live my life during the week. And then on the weekend, I would go and, you know, do some of the tourist things. Jabril, what is the, uh, what are some of the best, I've been working remotely for, you know, going on a decade as well, but not around the world, just around New York City, which uh, you get a lot of cultures that way too. But what are the best places you found cities or countries or neighborhoods around the world to work remotely? Wow, great question. I'm going to give you, maybe I'll make a four-minute answer and give you a one-minute on each of some of my favorite places around the world. So when I started traveling around the world, I I didn't have as much money as before, I mean, as now. And so I lived in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I didn't know really anything about the culture. And the people were really kind. The food was amazing. Internet speeds were great. Transportation was great. They have amazing medical facilities. And then this is what blew my mind. So, for example, like a two-bed, like a one-bedroom apartment here, if you're like in a high-rise, you got the doorman, the pool, all of that thing, you're probably paying about three grand a month here in Chicago, like being in like those upper echelon buildings. Now, the same thing in Chiang Mai, the same kind of building was about $350 a month. And I was like, the way my bank account is set up, I can do this. 
I can do this. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. And it just, it, it wasn't real for me at the time. And I was like, no, that's all they asking for. There's no upsells. I was waiting for the, like, you know, the big <laughs> switch. And I was like, that's all. And they were happy. I was like, I actually think I overpaid. They're like, yeah, we got it. <laughs> we got it. I was like, I'm happy to add to your economy at $400 a month. And what happened, so here's the, so in 2011, first time I went, when I was backpacking around, I saw four black people, right, in about three months. And I was like, hmm, not many of us. So I went, you know, I was Googling black people in Thailand, and that's how actually how the Passport Heavy video started because there was no content. And so I just set up a camera like this behind me, and I just made a video, shot and edited myself, and that's when I realized I don't really have the talent to shoot and edit. I can tell a story, but when it comes to the production and editing, shaky footage, they're like, I was like, nah. But I was getting hundreds of thousands of views doing it, you know, with a $300 camera. And so... Those videos came out, and I went back in 2014, and then here's, and I know I went more than a minute, um, <laughs> but um, so I went back in 2014, and the crazy thing is I would see about three or four black people a day in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and three out of the four would come up to me and say, yo, you are the reason that I'm here. Wow. I was doing research, Beautiful. and I was like, and now today in 2020, I went back 2019, it's like 30 people a day or so will come up to me uh, and say, you know, you know, just talking. And I'm like, wow. And now it's grown. And that showed, showed me the influence that you can have when you just share authentically. Right. And so now people are going, they don't even know who I am. But like now there's other people that are making videos. And I tell people, even if you have 300 you know, followers on Facebook, Instagram, your story matters. Right. Because now they're like, yo, what's it like when, if, you know, when they're going and now they might have two of their friends. And that's how it's continued. Not as like literally whole black communities in Chiang Mai, Thailand. So that's one place. Um, and then another Wait, place. Wait, before I'm you before sure. you go on, before you go on, Jabril, yeah. and we're talking with Jabril. Uh, and and what does your last name mean? I know you're Nigerian because of Ogoro. I I know that I yeah. can tell. Um, and I can see you. I see you look Nigerian <laughs> in Chicago. And Chicago has a big Nigerian uh, faction. Yeah. Uh, definitely, y'all y'all roll strong there. What does Aguro, Aguro mean? I can tell you what Jabril means. Now, my, now you're going to have my dad saying you're on an interview and you ain't even going to say the full meaning of your last name. So I was like, you know, just edit that part out. No. <laughs> and then, but my, first name, <laughs> my first name means uh, angel. Uh, so my dad is uh, Muslim and my mom's Christian, so it just means angel Gabriel, my first name. That's actually a great question. I'm like, I'm literally going to go text my dad and my mom and be like, yo, what does that mean? So it was a great question. And, and, I, I can't tell you the specific answer. And, and Chicago, much like New York, a big, uh, a lot of people from a lot of different places, people don't even know, like Chicago was so heavy with Germans that German might have been our national language in America because it was such a strong contingent of Germans in Chicago. But, you know, as I'm listening to you, your dad is Muslim, your mother's Christian. In your household, you've had you know, not conflict, but differences that you, you've had to navigate. What was that experience before you take us to the second place that you've been? So, so the first nine years of my life, I actually grew up in, in foster care. So I didn't grow up with um, my mom and my dad. And then when I was nine, that's when I moved with my mom. Um, and then my mom is, yeah, she's just Hollywood. So I didn't have the, but I've been to the mosque. I've done, you know, Ramadan with my dad. Cause I've spent time with my dad, but I've never lived with my dad. Um, and that's, and that's the, the beautiful thing about traveling as well. 
Um, I mean, everyone has their own beliefs. This is just my personal. I mean, like the way I live my life is I feel if I'm respectful to everyone, um, I'm free to do as I please. And like, I have my own voice. Like everyone will agree with it. But the more that I traveled, it's like the less religious I became. Don't let my mom see that. Um, but like, and the reason why is because growing up, it was like, if you're not a certain type of denomination, it's like, you are not a good person or you're going to, you know, to hell. And like, the more I would hang out with Buddhists, I would hang out with Muslims, I'd hang out with people from Christianity. I learned to judge people more on their character versus their religion. And, and just traveling around and seeing like all these beautiful cultures around the world, I was like, man, the religion you are more likely not is going to be determined from where you grow up and like what your, you know, and what your parents are. And, I, and like, but there's beauties in all religion. And so, yeah, that would be. I love it. Um, I love it. All right. Um, I, and I want to, I'm sorry, Cena, because I, I, I could talk to, to Jabril all day. I have so many questions yeah. for him. But more importantly, like, he, his storytelling is impeccable. And I'm, I've been going down a rabbit hole on Passport Heavy on YouTube. I subscribe to the channel because I, I, I like oh, you, thank you. How, you, how you, you know, connect with people. Thailand. Uh, they speak English. You're the second brother now that is trying to convince me to move to Thailand. Not that you're doing that, but I'm <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking for places to go for us to go for us to yeah. go, even if it's just for a little while till stuff calms yeah, down, I mean, just for self preservation. Is Thailand that you yeah. said number one? Great internet, Thailand the food, number one. people. I would say Ghana. I love okay. Ghana. I just recently got back from Ghana last year, and it did so much for me. Um, just as an individual, when I touched down, the airport was impeccable, right? You're talking about a world-class airport where as soon as you touch down, no one's haggling you, no pressure at the airport. And then, you know, I actually arrived at sunrise. It's just like, it was just like magical, like from the moment that I touched down. The people are super friendly. So like, this is the difference between, so I'm Nigerian and like, I got to keep it 100. My people are more aggressive. Um, my Ghanaian brothers and sisters are a lot more relaxed. Like the way I see Ghana versus um, Nigeria is like New York is um, Nigeria, like Lagos, right? I got to get to the money. It's hustle. It's moving fast. And then Ghana is like LA. It's more like relaxed. It's chill. Like take your time. That's and perfect. obviously intelligent. Like, I mean, I, I think Niger is the best now, but like, um, that was but touching down in Ghana, the experiences that you can have from, you know, just cultural learning, you know, about what the actual kente cloth means and like the different tribes, the different areas. And then also seeing the different beauty within Ghana, because when I went to Ghana last year, I was leaving off from, I was in Croatia. Um, not, I don't even know how to make this sound non-bougie, but so I was yachting in Croatia, right? And then uh, <laughs> after leaving Croatia, I was talking to this girl. I was like, yo, I'm about to go to Ghana. Like, I'm about to have this good time. She's like, oh, what are you going to go do, a mission trip? I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to enjoy. She's like, well, no safari? I was like, no, I'm just going to enjoy. She's like, they have nice stuff there. And I was like, and I couldn't even blame her because I was like, the media has just shown such a one-sided story. And like that moment gave me that much more fire to create even more when I was there and like wanting to go back and tell the narrative of, cause it's only a one-sided story. They don't show the intelligence. They do not show the beauty of the clothing, the food. 
and you have, you know, your upper class that have homes. Like, I mean, I was in homes in Ghana. I can guarantee you on my mama that most people in the United States have never set foot inside, right? And so all of these things, like I was rolling around in a Bentley in, um, in Ghana. Like, they have, and I'm not saying that they don't have issues, but there's always two sides to a story um, for these different places. So Ghana, and then I would say Bali hits my soul, another place where I'm one of these people is like, no matter how much money you make, you don't, getting the value for your money always makes me feel good. So Bali, you can get like a big villa with like a, like a staff of two or three for a month, like a, like a 3,000 square foot villa, pool, for like 3,000 a month. And then also, again, the community is safe. The internet is good. Um, you can ride your little, mo- run a motorcycle for like 70 bucks a month. Um, you can go to the gyms. They, ha- they have world-class facilities. The restaurants are amazing. You have all of these different things. And then, so Bali would be up there. And then fourth, I would say probably Colombia, Medellin, Colombia. Um, and I Wait, tell you, where the drug cartel I, 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 is? Exactly what I said. <laughs> I was like, um, literally, I swear to God, the first time I went in 2011, the taxi was taking too long, and I was like, oh, man, I, I done messed up, man. They about to, they about to, they about to kidnap my ass. And like, that's the honest thoughts that was going through my head. I was like, I knew I shouldn't have did it. Look at me trying to be adventurous now. Now look at my ass. Now I'm doing the news. Maybe I'm not even going to make the news. I'm just going to disappear. <laughs> and like, that was what was going through my head. And then I, he actually dropped me off in my hotel. I was like, ooh. Okay. And then the more that I got into the culture, the more I loved it. So you can go to Mexico. Mexico is dope, but the American influence is so heavy that you don't really feel the Mexican culture when you're in like Cancun or like you can feel it. But Colombia is Colombian, which I love. Like, and then also you get some of the most, they call it the city of eternal spring. And the, the reason is because if you've ever been to, like, San Diego, the weather's kind of, like, the same throughout the entire year. And that's the kind of – and it's, like, the, the big high-rises are, like, built into the mountains. And then so you have mountains that you're waking up to. I never thought I could love a place as much without seeing a body of water. And then cost of living is – it's not as cheap as Thailand, but it's, like – so in Thailand, let, I would say give or take if you have – one dollar, you can get four dollars of value in Colombia, and now with the exchange rate, you might be able to you to get more like one dollar, you could get three dollars of value like in Colombia, right? So if you live a three thousand dollar a month lifestyle, or if you live a nine um, nine thousand dollar a month lifestyle here in Chicago, it's going to cost you about three thousand a month in Colombia to live that, and and that's where you meet a lot of these expats, and the more that they figured out that like, well, I don't have to just stay in the United States, they're like. Man, I got student debt. I've got all these bills and stuff I want to pay. And now that I work remote, why am I making this seven, eight grand a year living in New York? Man, I love it and all, but let me take a break and see some other coaches. And I'm paying two grand. Then you're like, I'm living well. I'm living great. And I'm actually saving money now. And so that those would be my um, – and then the salsa dancing there. You have um, yeah, the food, the culture, the people. I started to learn another language. One thing for me, I felt like if I had a superpower, I'd love to be able to speak everything. I wouldn't be flying. Mm. It'd be able to speak every single language. 
so I could communicate with everyone that I come across in like in all of these different countries. And I was like, I miss so much because I'm like, oh, this one, and I'm on Google Translate, like, oh, this is what I'm trying to say. And um, so those would be the, the top four: Thailand, um, and then Bali, Ghana. Indonesia, Ghana, um, Ghana, Ghana and uh, Medellin, Colombia. Yeah, uh, we're learning Spanish here on Fridays uh, because I think we all need to learn another language. And then maybe we'll, when we master that, going to uh, Mandarin. Uh, but I think, yeah, when they confounded the languages, it was the worst thing in the world because we miss your like. How do how do you become funny? in another language. There are nuances to your personality that can only be expressed yeah. in the language that you're confident in, mm -hmm. you know? So all of the, 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 the in-between stuff about you gets missed right. in translation. 866-801-8255. With, with uh, Jabril Agoro is here. Uh, his, his website, uh, excuse me, his YouTube channel is called Passport Heavy. Passport heavy, uh, and there are all of these beautiful, beautiful uh, places that he's been. And I was uh, Rio de Janeiro. I, I'm looking at Thailand really hard right now. None of the Caribbean uh, nations, huh? None of the not, not Barbados or uh, which is given citizenship now to people, and none of those places. Um, it just hasn't. I just haven't got around to it yet. Like I am. A lot of people see me because I've been traveling for ten years. They're like, oh, you must have been everywhere. I'm more of like, and I'm like, like, how many countries have you been to? I'm like, I don't even know. Um, I don't, like, honestly, I don't even count. For me, I'm more of a slow-paced traveler. Like, I stay in a place till the vibe is over, right? Mm. So I'm like, verse like, oh, I'm like, you know, I got a million pictures in a million different places. But more, I'm like, oh, cool, man, I'm really vibing out here. It might go from two weeks. My team sometimes, hey, they'll be like, Yo, we need some structure. And, like, you know, from two weeks ago to, like, six months, um, you know, in a place. And so, but to tell you about the Caribbean islands, I'm about to go to some. So, unfortunately, like, I really, you know, my heart goes out to everybody in California right now with the fires and yes. everything. So, because I have a place in California um, up in the Bay. And, you know, obviously here in Chicago, too. But um i was gonna go back to the bay but these fires and the air quality is so crazy so i was like we about to, i'm gonna go back there for a week and then uh we're gonna go down to miami for about three months um for the next and that's what's changing my travels right now I was like i'm doing the most domestic travel that i've ever done in my life because uh, like you know it's always like a real thing so i'm just like i take it easy um i'm not trying to do too much and so i've been doing domestic travel and, but I'm going to be doing the Caribbean islands. Since I would be in Miami, I was like, we just kind of plan out the next three months. I was like, okay, cool. We could do four months and, you know, I mean, four day little trips. To, I saw Bahamas. I was like, let's do some of these little Caribbean islands for a bit. So you will actually start to see some Caribbean passport heavy videos coming right. soon. Don't be surprised if you see me in your, in your suitcase. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. I'll be in the hazmat suit. Uh, I want like <laughs> of your travel points. That's what I Man, Jabril, listen, uh, worst experience, uh, worst experience you've ever had traveling? Worst country that you've ever wow, been to? Good question. Um, Subway to Queens. It'd <laughs> probably be in, um, in, in Pigsty, Alabama. Um, I, I guess I was overly optimistic on people. And... Mm. Like racism is really real in some parts of Alabama, and yeah, I w we were taking a a little road trip with my friend um, Brian, 
and and then his wife and his daughter, and then so we're going there. Like we stopped at this one restaurant. I didn't know like Suntown down. I mean, Sundown Towns was still really a thing. And I mean, they literally have signs like in that in um uh, in pigsty. I don't know. I mean, and this was 2012, so not that long ago. Where it's like you better have your black ass out of town before the sun goes down. Like those would be like the signs that were uh, like up, and they'd be taking them down, putting them up. And we're in the restaurant, and you could like feel like the record skip when I when I walked in. And um and I you know me just being Mr. Positive, I didn't even know. And then um, so we sitting down. And then, the, you know, the one gentleman, you know, he's like, oh, man, oh, man how y'all doing? What y'all doing? Uh, no, the first thing, that's what made it different. Is what he's like, uh, my friend asked for a beer. And he's like, um, he's like, oh, can I get a beer? He's like, and it was Sunday. They're like, you must not be from around here. This is Dry County. And me, like, I'm from I don't even know what Dry County means. I was like, what's that mean? And they're like, yeah, we don't serve alcohol on Sunday. I was like, oh, okay. And then so that was like a culture shock for me, first off. And they were sitting down, and the guy is like, "Yo, yo, where y'all boys from?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm from Chicago," and like still not catching on to anything. And um, he's like, "Hey, yo, yeah, I can tell you not from." He's like, "Where, where y'all staying?" And then I can tell him, like, yeah, "I'm just down the block, you know." And then um, he's like, "You know, I'm just saying." He's like, "Y'all, look, you know, you look like a nice, you know, gentleman, but um." I'm just telling you, we don't do too kind to your kind of folks around here. You know, when Martin Luther King tried to march through here, he was met with 200 farmers with pitchforks and shotguns. Let's just say he turned his black ass back. Around. I was like, and then my I was like, I just, like, why are you telling me this story? Like, so, <laughs> and, Take a and clue. Then like, and then I was like, oh, okay. And then my friend Brian was like, ooh, yeah, maybe we won't get that pizza to go. Um, I was like, yeah. And then um, we were just talking, like, as the food was getting ready. And then I was like, you know, what would happen? Like, you know, honestly, God, he's just, I was like, what would happen if, um, like, you know, a car broke down? I was like, what happened? He's like, oh, we'd help him. So my friend was white. And then um, he's like, he's like oh, I'd probably shoot you. And I was like, like, he was like in a joking, non-joking kind of way. And I was like, because it was such a movie type scene, I was like, is this really happening right now? And then, um, then we, when we end up leaving, so we end up leaving the restaurant. And he was just telling, he's like, yeah, I wouldn't recommend going out. And, like, he was trying to just give us the warning of, like, yo, where you And I was like, how many, but he's like, you're the first black person that's been in this restaurant. He's like, you are the wow. first. And wow. then um, we went back to the house, um, my friend's grandma's house, and then they're telling he's like, she's like, oh, no, I don't want no problems. I remember the last time there was a little black boy playing in the no, I don't want no trouble. And before you know it, they got their friends and family coming over with the shotguns and everything, like just to hold down, you know, the house and everything. And so I was like, all right, let me let me watch, you know, where, um, you know, and I, it, was, it was such a movie-like moment that I was just like, I was like, man, that's like the old days. And I was like, it's 2012, you know, that that happened. Yeah. How's that changed? I mean, because we are not just in a global uh, pandemic with the virus, with the coronavirus, but there's also a racial, a racial mm-hmm. uprising throughout the globe. As as things start to open back up for you, um, are you traveling differently? Are you are you telling stories differently? How has COVID and 
the the murder of George Floyd changed your business? Um, traveling different, yes, because I mean, so the pandemic, um, it's like I take it really serious because I've seen, you know, there's been people who have, you know, I've seen like kind of from far who, who have, you know, passed away, unfortunately, people getting really sick, and they still like don't fully understand the virus and like the long term effect, all these things. Everyone's saying one thing one week, next week they're saying another thing, and so I'm like, when I don't understand something. I'm precaution. Like I take, I take caution. I was like, I don't want to be the the cowboy figuring out coronavirus. Like, nah. Like, um. So you know, we get our tests. So like, we just we did um, Las Vegas here recently. So we did a road trip from Oakland to Las Vegas. You know, so we did our COVID test like before we went, got our results. Like, all right, cool. You know, let's go. And so we did a road trip, um, and it was amazing because I've never done. I was like, mm, before I'd be like drive nine hours, fam, miss me. I ain't doing it. Like, um. But it, it's changed me. Like, I'm doing hiking now. So when we went to Vegas, we had a completely different way that you – a way that you would never experience Vegas for the most part. So we drove. We stopped in Death Valley first, which is this sort of oasis in, um, in the desert, right, which is something I would have never done before. And that was just one of the most amazing – like, you literally you have an oasis. It was like 125 degrees at night, at like midnight. It was still like 110 degrees at night. And, but you could see the most majestic stars that you're ever going to see, you know, in your life because there's nothing else around. Um, then we went to Vegas and we did everything outside of the strip, right? So I stayed on the strip. Um, shout out. We did the, where would you go? We stayed at the Vidar and the Cosmo. It was incredible. But everything that we did as far as activities, we did like hiking. We went to, went by Hoover Dam. Um, we went like kayaking. Uh, we did the exotic cars on the track. Um, we did basically like all the beautiful nature that surrounds, you know, Nevada. And then, like, I mean, I didn't gamble once. Um, I went to the pool like once. Uh, so that's how my travel has changed. It's like I like to travel with my small circle of friends. And then even in Vegas before, it'd be like, oh, you know, what's up? nah, bro, you too close. Get back. Get back, like, um, and so that's how travel has changed quite quite a bit for me. And then going forward, I think until the whole thing is figured out, like, but I'm, I'm I have to get out the house. Like, I'm a natural born. I was like, I want to explore. I just changed as far as more hiking, outdoor activities, having you know a glass of wine with your friends versus going out to like you know a crowded bar. And so that's how I think my travel will change from now until I know what this COVID thing is, but it hasn't stopped me from trying to, before I was in the house, like, oh, man, they sneeze. Oh, man, get back. Like, that was a level of fear that I had before um, while traveling, because I didn't, it was just like, now I've seen and know quite a few people who had COVID and recovered, uh, and so that's how it's changed for me in a big way, just driving a lot more versus flying, and um, social, yeah, like, social, like, small groups, tight circles, like, Big circles miss me. Like, you, you, save that for 2022 or something. Like, I don't need no big circles yet. 2022, he's taking it out. And I think you're <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, let's stay in touch because, I, I, you know, I've been advocating for us to travel more. I was talking with Chuck D this week, and he was saying, you know, black folk are global citizens. We need to be global citizens and not be tethered mm-hmm. to one particular nation. We need to see everything, and we need to see ourselves in every place. And uh, except for Pigsty, uh, Alabama, I think we need to get out there and, and <laughs> yeah. touch and touch different lands. 
Uh, so I want you to continue to be part of this family as you go back out there with Passport Heavy. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been an Thank honor. You. Like, uh, like I told you, Thank so many you. of my friends talk about you nonstop. Like, like, so it's just an honor to be here. Listen, it's nice meeting you, and I'm looking forward. I promise I'm probably going to end up in one of your suitcases in a hazmat suit, cause, uh, <laughs> especially when you go to the Caribbean. So let's stay in touch, Jabril. Thank you for being here again. Thank you so much. All right, Jabril Agoro, Passport Heavy. Check him out on YouTube and, of course, on on the, uh, on the Twitter and stuff. Um, I think, let me see if I get the, uh, yeah, at Jabril, J-U-B-R-I-L on the Twitters. 